What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 235 of Manage the Wild. I'm your host, Nick Madsen. Today, we're going to be talking about hunting and technology. The reason is the Utah Division of Wildlife is going and uh, changing, making some amendments to some of their current hunting rules and altering it because of technology and the advancement of the technology and how it affects hunting. They put together a committee back in 2022 looking at the advancements and all the different technologies that are going on. And there's quite a few. If you look at all the different things overall that's, that's going on, I'm just going to list out a few of them. Uh, improved equipment. I'm not talking about just the powder uh, or the bullets themselves, but the guns themselves are, are getting better. Power magnification on scopes is improving. And you just look at that in itself, but you have the optics that you now can carry uh, with optics stabilization. You can use the optics to range find as well. You can also take your scope and hook it to a laptop so you don't actually need to be uh, looking through the scope, um, I've seen situations where syringes have been used on triggers. They're shooting really long distance, looking through a laptop, using a syringe. That's some of your long range stuff that's going on. But now you're seeing the use of drones. They're allowing hunters to scout and track game. And so they're having to make those decisions on those. And they're being able to use real time data to uh, determine whether deer are coming into a tree stand or is the, the bull elk they're chasing on the next ridge, how far away is moose. You know, I had a situation the other day where um, ranchers are looking for some cattle, pulling them off the range, and they have asked me to use my drone to go out and fly to help them locate. So I had to get permission from uh, a bunch of different people to be able to go out and to fly my drone to look for cattle but it's the same situation that people were doing using it for deer hunting and other purposes. States are now cracking out, cracking down on that GPS and mapping tools. There's a, uh, you're getting better and better data to show just where you're at. And so there's uh, different properties that weren't accessible before due to conversations you've had with people or uh, people over embellishing how much ground you uh, I'm, there's a piece of ground that I'm specifically thinking of that I thought was massive based upon how the owners talked about it. And with Onyx and all these other uh, GPS tools available and maps available, uh, that property was by far a lot smaller than they said it was. And they actually uh, don't own the prime hunting areas that everybody wanted access to uh, now that maps have opened up these. So there's some things that are going on there. And then you have those with the amount of technology that has made these improvements, you've just got a bunch of, uh, I guess, concerns, people do, ethical concerns. Is there too much relying on the technology to do the harvesting and removing those traditional skills? And are we relying too much uh, on technology and no longer attached to those traditional values, uh, fair chase? and those type of things. So when I was looking at this committee and the different things they were talking about, we're going to get into what they were talking about, but I wanted to look at like, what are some of the concerns that you would have with hunting and technology? The number one is fair chase, but what is fair chase? So 
you are no longer basically the way I understand fair chase is when you take fair chase out of it and you start relying on technology so much, you are no longer taking the hunter skill versus the animal that they are pursuing. You're, uh, you're relying more on the technology to do it for you. And so you no longer need the skills needed to go out and harvest. So you have a, the fair chase involves your skills and your ability to use your skills to, to harvest an animal. Are you staying within the legal and ethical practices uh, if you're not following fair chase? And then are you respecting the animals? Uh, there's a big thing out there that if you're not using fair chase, so one of, one of the things that people were really uncomfortable with is trail cams that were connected to uh, cell phones where you could get real-time data. Uh, you're now, instead of tracking that animal and pursuing an animal, you now can just sit home and wait for the animal to come across your trail cam. And that's where there's some legal concerns there, whether that's uh, legally allowed, but you're also reducing some of that fair chase because now it's no longer about your skill and more about the technology you lose. People also believe that there is a loss of respect when you start doing that. Um, there was a lot of uh, commercial operations, uh, hunting guides that were using this, and it was more about harvesting the animal than it was about respecting the animal because they just wanted to get paid. So there, there were some issues there. And then you're looking at just an over-reliance on just tech or gadgets and some of those things that um, may have made it more challenging. Uh, if you're using a laptop connected to a scope and you're shooting from uh, a thousand yards away, 1200 yards away, and instead of moving in closer to that animal, using your skill to be able to get closer, uh, you're now using the gadgets to, to help you calculate wind as you hold up your gadget to calculate the wind, you then plug it in and it's gonna tell you how much the bullet's gonna drop. And then you plug that into your scope and it tells you where to hold. And so there's all these different things that uh, people are con concerned about when it comes to uh, fair chase. And just the overall change or impact it would have on uh, tradition and culture. Uh, it's a hard one for me to define what is a hunting tradition and culture. Um, I think social media has altered a lot of people's perception of what hunting tradition and culture is. It's now uh, finding as many antlers or sheds as possible, finding the biggest buck and harvesting the biggest buck and not necessarily about spending those uh, time together with your family, teaching those uh, skills to the younger generations moving up and it's now become more about the gram. Now you guys can argue with me and I'm really comfortable with you guys disagreeing on me because this hunting and technology one is gonna be one where everybody has a different opinion of what uh, is tolerable. And so I am not saying that any one of these is right or wrong. Uh, there's definitely no right or wrong on this issue. And, and everybody's gonna be mad and they're gonna be frustrated. Uh, one way or another. 
So let's jump into it. The Utah division is proposing, and I'm going to share the screen. All right. For air guns, archery, and crossbow, they had a length restriction on arrow and bolt length, and they now are doing away with that. They've gotten a bunch of information from uh, a bunch of different parties to realize that they no longer need uh, arrow length restriction or bolt length restriction. Uh, I'm not opposed to that one on this. Uh, I do think there needs to be still a, a poundage uh, draw weight, but as far as an arrow length, no, I'm, I'm not concerned with that. Uh, but this is where it really gets, uh, it's going to make some people mad, some people really happy. The muzzleloader recommendation, they are wanting to do away with um, optics on muzzleloader scopes. They are, they talked about whether it was a one power, if they dropped it down to a one power, or did they get rid of it? Uh, and ultimately, they came away concluding that they just need to do away with the scopes. Law enforcement presented an argument that it may be difficult to determine whether it was a one, two, or a three power. Uh, they also didn't like being so focused on the uh, muzzleloader and the scope itself that they couldn't be as present into the situation. So the law enforcement had some some safety concerns as they are working with uh, people, the general public, you never know who you're dealing with. There's some crazies out there and they didn't like the fact that they were going to have to be spending time looking through a scope and not being aware of the whole situation going around them. Uh, especially because oftentimes these officers, whoops, officers are by themselves. And so that just makes it different. So, uh, there was that one. Sorry. I, uh, knocked over my stuff. Uh, so those re uh, restrictions for getting rid of the scopes and only allowing open sights and peep sights would apply to all muzzleloader hunts, general uh, season, limited entry, and management and hams hunts. Um, they would be allowed during an any weapon season. Uh, you can still put your 4x16 night force on your muzzleloader. But what they ultimately concluded is they wanted the muzzleloader to be separate from an any weapons hunt. Muzzleloaders with the technology and the advancements they're getting, it's not uncommon to hear people taking eight and 900 yard successful shots with a muzzleloader. And is that ultimately the muzzleloader hunt? And this is where the committee is at. I think if when they put together the muzzleloader hunt back in the day, it was before inline muzzleloaders really came into play. So you had your cap and ball, your flintlock, those type of muzzleloaders that you would think of uh, mountain men or more traditional uh, muzzleloader. And that's, I think, the direction they are trying to go with this. They want to keep it separate from an, any weapon hunt. They did a survey, and in the survey um, during their presentation, uh, they asked people if they would be comfortable taking a 100-yard shot, 200-yard shot, all the way out to a 1,000. People were very comfortable with a muzzleloader taking a 200-yard shot, and then after 200 yards, it really dropped off, but there were still people willing to take a 1,000-yard shot. Now you get rid of optics 
and you just do a peep sight, you're going to be taking shots. Um, at least for me, the most comfortable I would be, you know, 200 uh, is getting out there. For me, uh, I would definitely take a 100-yard shot. I've done it with a muzzleloader and have no problem. 200 yards, you're starting to reach out there a little bit. That's just my feeling again. Again, this hunting and technology is more about how you feel and not necessarily uh, about the biological. There's no real biological concerns. Um, what they did notice that biologically speaking and management wise is if you get rid of optics, uh, you lose about, you have a two and a half percent drop in success. So what this means to them is now they can offer more opportunity because now if the success rate is going to be lower for these muzzleloader hunts, they can offer multiple seasons with low success rate without biologically impacting uh, the animals that they are trying to uh, protect. So uh, in one way, yes, you're getting a lower success rate, but you're having more opportunities. More people can go. They can break the seasons up so you're not having such uh, a crowding issue because that's one of the big issues that uh, every state is facing when it comes to hunting is crowding. As more and more land gets locked uh, that was available 20 years ago is now being closed as it changes hands and goes to different property owners or whatnot. So there is some of that that's going into play. Uh, a lot of people, though, were concerned, what if you are visually impaired? They still will have that in play. There are CORs for uh, certificates uh, for people who are visually impaired who still need a scope. Um, those will still be offered. Now, ultimately, this is about keeping muzzle loaders separate from any weapons. And people, uh, I have family members who have gone out and bought high dollar scopes for muzzleloader, trying to find a little less crowding, moving into that muzzleloader hunt versus the any weapon hunt that's very crowded. A lot of people, they're trying to move into that muzzleloader. I think this is going to boot some people out. They're not going to be happy uh, that they have to take their optics out. But I think this is also uh, definitely going to keep muzzleloaders separate from everything else. Now they're still allowing inlines unless unless you are going into a hams or a restricted hunt, then you can't, uh, or the restricted hunt, you wouldn't be able to use an inline. But all the others, uh, you'd still be, you just couldn't use optics unless it's any legal weapon. I'm just curious how you guys feel about this topic. Um, there are some things that they've done that I haven't necessarily agreed with on their technology, but it's more about feeling less about biological. So this isn't really a biological concern. Getting rid of one of these isn't going to uh, help more deer or not. It's more about uh, keeping groups happy and making sure that we stay within the parameters that they want it to be. So you guys get to decide. Uh, let me know how you guys feel about it. You guys have a great day. Stay wild.